So in the last class, uh, we ended with the discussion on the 22nd Sutra of the third chapter of Patanjali Yoga Sutra. What the Sutra uh, tells, let us read the Sutra and just have a very quick recapitulation. Sopakramam nirupakramam cha karma tatsangyamat aparanta jnanam arishtebhya va. So, Sopakrama Nirupakrama. So, what these two terms mean? That karma, the results of the karma fructifies in two ways in, in our life. Some has already started fructifying. Those are the Sopakrama. And there is another set of karma that is going to fructify most probably at certain another phase of life of which I am not aware. Everything is going on smoothly. Suddenly we may find that life has suddenly changed. There may be some disease or some accident which, of which I, may, I am not at all aware. So by doing Sangyama on one's own karma or on others' karma, we can know what is awaiting that person. So you can as if see the future of that person. So that speaks of that nirupakrama, which is yet to fructify. As we were giving that example, that suppose a person is enjoying good health. Till the age of 40, there was no disease. And suddenly at the age of 41, suddenly some incurable disease we find it has developed and we are taken aback that what has happened why that suddenly that this person who was so healthy he has developed all this disease so that speaks of the nirupakrama that some karma which is yet to fructify suddenly it finds expression you may say that these all ideas are not scientific so that's why we again and again we refer to the modern scientific research to substantiate the ideas which has been spoken of here. If you study the way the cancer cells develop, you can ask any doctor that when it will this, it is the normal cells in our body. Suddenly, at certain point of time, they turn carcinogenic. Suddenly, they start. At what time it will happen, why it happens, no one knows. A so-called healthy person, suddenly some cells in part of the body suddenly we find has developed those carcinogenic. That what happens, that the, what is cancer? That certain part of the body will be generating the cells at much faster rate compared to the entire body and the tumor will be grown. And that carcinogenic cell is the cause of the developing the cancer, even if you remove the tumor, again it will grow. Unless all the carcinogenic cells can be removed. Nowadays, there are cases where it is possible. But if the cancer has developed to a certain extent, we find that it because it has spread, it becomes almost impossible to restrict it. The, the thing is, what we are indicating, that why that healthy person with a healthy body, suddenly a certain cells will start behaving in a peculiar way as if it has been programmed in the cells that are after a certain phase of time, the same normal cells will turn to be carcinogenic. So we find that it is this, this can be even substantiated by the modern findings. So, Sopakrama, Nirupakrama, Chakarma, Tat Sangyamat. As we were giving examples, that even in the life of Ramakrishna, we find that he was warning Adharsham that what he was warning. 
two things he told constantly he was repeating repeatedly he was mentioning that life is very uncertain whatever spiritual practices you have to do never just keep it aside know it for certain as if there is only one day left for you no one knows when the end will come so don't keep the spiritual practice aside be sincere go on practicing it just few months before adarshan's death ramakrishna started saying this not only that ramakrishna also told him please try to avoid um, this riding on the back of the horse specifically he mentioned and at last we find few months later he was the district magistrate deputy magistrate and he was on some survey duty for which in those days you know the only convince was the horse carriage or in interior village you don't get the carriage you have to ride on the back of the horse it's a part of the duty however you may try you cannot avoid it and other as per his duty was on was riding on the horse back just to have some survey of some village some inspection of some village but it was a part of his duty and he fell from the back of the horse and that was quite fatal he was immediately bedridden he developed some gangrene and that resulted in his death in just in a few months so we find that as if his future he's seeing two things he is saying that don't keep your spiritual practice aside and try to avoid rising a uh, be uh, riding on the horse and that's what we find in the life of adharshan that these sutras can be demonstrated the you know the, the validity of the sutra is that they are demonstrated in the life of so many spiritually advanced souls we find that narain when he used to come to dakshineshwar he used to have a short nap while having the nap short nap he used to breathe heavily while sleeping and seeing that he told that he is going to be short lived there were some other reasons also spiritual reason that once he knows his nature he will never he is not going to continue in his body and along with that he is also saying that yes this heavy breath during during sleep speaks of short life and we find that yes that narain himself understood that he is not going to live long there are letters in which he is mentioning that i am not going to see my 40s and we find he he has his leaves his body at the age of 39 years 6 months 5 months something like that so this speaks of the sopakrama nirupakrama chakarma by which you can as if see that exact time of your separation from your body aparanta gyanam when you are going to just get disembodied you are yes you are going to just leave your body and there is another sign that is called arishta arishte bhava apart apart from sopakrama nirupakrama there is another technical term called arishte bhya this arishte bhya as has been spoken of in the commentary can be of three types arishta adhyatmik adhi bhautik and adhi daivik and we gave that example adhyatmik it's you have heard many of you from the our indian tradition they have heard that when you close your ears with your fingers you will find a humming noise inside inside your body if you sometime if you find that the humming noise is not there you can be sure that the end is very near that is adhyatmik adi bhautik sudden visualization of the departed forefathers adi daivik who have divine visions In the last class also we were giving some various examples that how many of the devotees of ramakrishna had the vision of ramakrishna or the other direct disciples just before their passing away which is not something common only in ramakrishna tradition you'll find in anywhere those who are spiritually advanced soul they are having these divine visions just before they leave their body so these are the things which we were discussing in the last class so now we will go to the next vibhuti which has been spoken of in the 23rd sutra in the third chapter what it is maitri adishu balani so what it is a very short sutra 
but it actually refers to some other sutra. It's the 33rd sutra of the first chapter where we studied that we have to practice four types of attitudes in four various circumstances of life. Those are the preparatory stages. Without that, you can never have a very calm chitta. Your mind can never be calm without those practice. And once you are not habituated with that practice, once those, those practices has not become your, become your habit, you can never think of qualitative meditation. So for meditation in day-to-day life, four types of attitudes has to be practiced. And that was spoken of in the 33rd Sutra of the first chapter. So first let us again recapitulate that Sutra and then we will try to understand what this 23rd Sutra is speaking of. So what the 33rd Sutra of the first chapter, it referred to Maitri Karuna Mudita Upekshanam Sukha Dukha Punya Apunya Vishayanam Bhavanataha Chitta Prasadanam Chitta Prasada if you have to keep your mind tranquil all the time, these are the four things you have to practice in four different situations of life. Maitri, friendship. For what? Whenever you see Sukha, whenever you see others are happy, others are jovial, others are going through a very good phase of life, try to relate through friendship. You may say we do that. Yes, we do that if it is our, if the person is our kith and kin, if he is our friend. But if the person happens to be our enemy or sometimes our neighbor with whom as such I am having no relation, we will find sometimes a sort of rancor, jealousy is working. If I see the happiness of someone with whom I am not related. I still remember in India long back, when I was, I myself was a small boy, a particular TV, Onida TV, for that the advertisement used to come that owners, neighbors envy, owners pride. <laughs> so if you are owning something uh, which is uh, very costly and for that you're really enjoying your life as if, it may become a neighbor's envy. So that's the thing has been indicated that it's, yes, it's true that for my kith and kin, for my relatives, for my friends, if they are happy, I feel happy. But the same attitude has to be practiced who have as such nothing to do with my life, my neighbors, or it may be even my enemy. So I have to practice Maitri, that when I see the others are happy, I should try to develop that attitude of happiness. I will try to share that happiness whomever it may be. And then you will find that helps in your own placidity, tranquility of your mind. Otherwise, all those negative emotions are bound to disturb. And that's what happens. Every day we go to the office, there is fight with the colleagues, there is fight with boss. At uh, I, When I come back, there may be some issues with my neighbors. And whenever... I see them flourishing in life. It creates a type of rancor. No one sees it. I know it is there. Like a rust, it is constantly as if uh, eating away my inner core. So there I have to take care of all those negativities. Maitri for Sukha. Karuna for Dukha. When I see any misery, I should have empathy. Karuna. You may say again the same thing. Yes, it is true. When I, It is for my kith and kin, for my relative, for my friend. If they are in misery, I do feel misery. But is it true for the person with whom I have no relation or it may be my enemy? So there I have to practice. If Even if in my mind I find that negative emotions are coming, immediately I have to nip them at the bud. And have to practice those positive emotions. That's why in English, very nice that proverb is there. That the price of purity is vigilance. We cannot just allow the mind to take over us. To just uh, have control over us. The mind as 
the master is the most tyrannical master. But if you can make it the servant, it is the most obedient servant. And that's the practice we have to do by being vigilant. Constantly we have to be vigilant. See the mind, how it is behaving, how it is constantly cheating you. Sometimes we are not at all aware of it. So whenever I find that a cruel type of happiness is coming, whenever I see that someone else is in misery, the thought comes, oh, he's a very cruel fellow. He's a very selfish fellow. Tit for tat, he deserves it. Immediately we should be uh, warned. We should warn ourselves that I am harming my own spiritual growth. All those negative emotions can never allow you to really have qualitative meditation. It's there in all the scriptures. Even in Bible, you will find Jesus is saying that if you have some quarrel with your own brother, first resolve it and then go to offer whatever you have to offer in the altar of the divine. Unless you have resolved, those offerings won't be accepted. It is as simple as that. The same thing, karuna for dukkha. When you see anyone suffering, whoever it may be, try to relate through empathy. Mudita for punya. Wherever you see holiness, try to be respectful. Try to revere, have a sense of reverence. You say, we have it throughout the world. That's the biggest problem. We don't have. It's only, our respect is only for the faith to which I belong. Whenever it's some other faith, immediately I will feel there is something fake in it. There is some hypocrisy in it. There must be some scandal going on there. And unnecessarily I am polluting my mind. So when I show reverence to others, what happens that in India, when I was just to deal with the students, whenever any Swami is to visit, we made the students who stayed in the hostel to go and do pranams. And when the students grow, starts growing, they start uh, just revolting. But why this pranam, this going and showing reverence is meaningless. I don't know that person. He is just wearing a particular cloth and who, whether he is a real holy man or he is just an hypocrite, how do I know? Why should I show respect? So we ask to say that it's the idea is something different. The moment the, any person seeing a holy man passing by the street goes and offers the reverence, that he's not actually showing reverence to that person. What he's doing? That his particular attire has developed in his mind has evoked the sense of renunciation. That renunciation is something great. This dress actually signifies that, seeing that the sense of that ideal of renunciation has evoked in your mind. That person is just there as an upalaksha. He's just there as the context. Actually, when you are going and bowing down, you are showing respect to the idea of renunciation. And that way it helps you. You are for at least for the time being that you acknowledge the fact that yes, this way of life is something very good. And that way you are culturing that in your mind, what you think that you become. So you are giving the scope to give your mind a good paint for some time. And it not only helps you, it helps the other person also. How? When you are bowing down to that holy person, immediately sense of responsibility develops that why people are showing reverence to me? Because I represent certain way of life and I have a responsibility. I have to lead that life. So it helps both. So that's why mudita for punya. Whenever you see holiness, just simply show reverence, bow down throughout the world. You just see, I see there are so many channels of particular religion, particular faith, their entire energy is exhausted in finding out the defects in other faiths and constantly abusing the other faiths. We don't hear a single word which speaks of how to change their own personality. It is just a holier than our thou attitude that my religion is great, yours is all full of uh, wrong practices, wrong beliefs, hypocrisy. And energy is wasted that way. 
in whom who is being helped by that no one it is just creating turmoil disbelief hatred among the common mass so that's the thing this mudita for punya any sort of holiness try to find out the good qualities in others and be respectful towards that even in the modern language of management they say built on strength overlook the weakness when andrew carnegie a very what is a successful uh, this industrialist when he was asked that in his uh, industry there was no as such uh, what is it, this labor unions there were no labor union people were surprised how can it be and when he was interviewed he was asked that how come that there is no such uh, labor unions in your uh, industry what he told is very interesting he told that the one who is mining for gold you know it's to get gold is something very difficult you have to go on searching lot of dross you have to remove and at last you may get a just a speck of gold in some river bed they say gold is available it's not that gold you can see a lump of gold there you have to collect the mud go on washing and last a small speck of gold you may find so he used to say very interesting the one who is in search of gold doesn't bothered about the mud which is washing he is in search of the gold so that's the thing which i do that every one has that speck of gold in spite of all the dross i search that i try to build on the strength i want to see the strength and overlook the weaknesses and that's what speaks of mudita it brings peace in the world it brings peace within you you are culturing you are culturing the holiness by showing respect to any holiness instead of doubting it if i just show reverence i am actually culturing that holiness by for some time contemplating that why i am showing reverence not to that person that person or that institution or that building signifies certain thing that came to i am showing respect to that it is very subjective so by that i am actually helping myself so mudita for any punya wherever i see that's why chait in the life of chaitanya mahaprabhu there is a wonderful incidence one day he saw a washerman uh, along with the donkey was passing the, down the street and on the top of the donkey there were a lot of ochre cloths most probably the washerman had uh, taken the cloths from some uh, monastery and he was he had washed the cloths and he was going to return them the washed cloths so they were all piled up on the back of the donkey and chaitanya mahaprabhu just immediately seeing that donkey carrying those ochre cloths immediately on the street fell flat fell flat as if doing pranam to the donkey the idea is it's not the donkey seeing the all the ochre cloths the idea of renunciation immediately as if like a spark plug it sparked in his mind their minds are the uh, of the uh, this realized soul their minds are like you know the like a match stick which is not damp just a little spark any occasion a little spark immediately is lighted our mind is like a match stick which is damp you go on striking it doesn't at last you don't find any spark so for them just see how wonderful just seeing the ochre cloth on the back of the donkey immediately he fell flat on the street so whom whom he showing respect to the ideal of renunciation not to the donkey so this is mudita punya upeksha apunya the opposite of love is not hatred the one whom you love you think of him and one who you whom you hate you think more intensely of him throughout the day and that's what's upeksha of apunya sometimes what happen when i see unholy acts i go on criticizing criticizing by that what i am doing i am constantly culturing that all those negative traits i am discussing i am culturing and in the meantime you will find what happens all the negative traits which i saw in others at last i find is finding expression through my life because that's the thing you are culturing the slanderer himself at last will find all the negative qualities he has or she has which he or she is slandering uh, criticizing because that's the thing he or she is culturing so when i see apunya what should be my attitude indifferent when i'm passing through the street 
A passerby just crosses me. I don't know him. Neither I have love for him, nor I have hatred for him. I'm just indifferent. So whenever I see unholiness, I should be indifferent. I shouldn't hate it. So that's the idea of upeksha apunya. Unholy, be indifferent. So this now you go to the 23rd Sutra. So once you have taken this practice of these four types of attitudes in four situations of life, you will find we are bound to go through these four situations of life. Constantly we are going through these four situations of life. Either we see others' happiness or others' misery. We see something which we should feel reverential for, we should have reverence for. And there are so many things which are unholy, crude. So these are the attitudes, Maitri, Karuna, Mudita, Piksha, we should go on practicing. If you go on practicing, and this practice is not something physical, you have to be very, very aware of your mind, what's going on there. So that's why it's Samyama has been spoken of. When you're practicing Samyama, by seeing you're watching your mind, then you develop the strength. These practices become spontaneous. It now becomes spontaneous. You won't, at the beginning, I have to be very, very alert at each and every moment. And then we will find it has become spontaneous. And that's how these practices has become your strength. So Maitri Adishu Balani. When you practice Maitri Karuna Mudita Upeksha, Adishu means etc., which has already been spoken of in the 33rd Sutra of the first chapter. That is being spoken now. Now they're relating to that in the 23rd Sutra of the third chapter. They're saying when you practice them at the beginning, there may be, you may be faltering. Now and then you find that the old negative tendencies are popping up. But by practice, a time will come when you will find that this, this four attitudes has become something habitual. They have become your strength now. So that's the thing which has been spoken of in the 23rd Sutra. So to get rid of these negative qualities, we have to cultivate the positive qualities. That's the only way. So if the mind is like a garden, constantly what we have to do, we have to remove the weeds and we have to go on cultivating the seeds, the desired seeds. And that's what this practice speaks of, 23rd. The next, 24th, what it is? Baleshu Hastivala Adini. Sometimes we feel that the physical strength means developing the muscles, having good food. But the real strength comes when you are contemplating on strength. In any old traditions, where you know there, there is the monks were the who were the warrior monks, like the samurai, you will in them you will find this practice that irrespective of all the physical strength which they are growing, which they are uh, developing, all the training which they are going through, the one of the main practice actually has to do with the mind. That when they have really have to have some duet. You will find that it is a very common practice of the samurai. They have to visualize that he has become a lion, the strength of a lion. Swami Vivekananda referring to that uh, uh, practice of the samurai one day in Thousand Island Park when he was in retreat with some small group of devotees. One day he asked the devotee, come let us meditate on the heart of a lion. To feel that strength, that strength not for uh, just for dealing with anyone uh, with whom I want to combat. No, the strength which will allow me to get rid of all the so-called uh, my impulses will enable me uh, to get rid of impulses, my obsessions. So for that, I need strength. Let us meditate on that strength. In the life of Ramakrishna also we find a very interesting story. There was two one that a date was fixed for wrestling of two wrestlers. Among them, one was a devotee of Hanuman. The other wrestler, uh, before that wrestling, the date on which the wrestling was uh, supposed to be, before that, for one month, he was having very uh, nourishing food, was practicing a lot, and the other devotee, uh, other one, other wrestler, he was fasting. Now and then he was fasting, he was meditating and Ramakrishna told, this is the one who is going to win. And it is the devotee of the Hanuman who won. So what's that? It's that the real strength comes from your mind. 
just swami vivekananda in the west used to give a, that example in the lecture that the real the cause is always subtle we don't see when a this bodybuilder is lifting wet we see all those there what is the muscles all those flexed muscles we forget this flex behind this flex muscle is actually the resolution that i have to raise this wet and that resolution is carried by a nerve which is almost not seen that nerve is carrying carrying that nerve current and that enables you to flex that muscle if that nerve gets disrupted or get dried all with all those muscles you can do nothing so the real strength comes from the mind so if you really want for any reason in life to have that vigor the strength it comes from the inspiration main strength it's not merely from the physical strength even to give a very common example if you have read the book i don't know man's search for meaning it's a book written by victor e frankel he was one of the inmates of the concentration camp a jew when he came out of the concentration camp uh, he uh, just wrote this book the man's search for meaning he is actually considered to be the father of this present positive psychology positive psychology is something very new but we find the ideas of positive psychology are in his writing that's why he's considered the father of positive psychology what he told is very interesting in the concentration camp we are not going to the elaborate discussion only that thing we will take up for which has relation to this baleshu hasti wala adini he told that even in the concentration camp we found the man who had some sense of meaning that after all it may be so that this is something is going to end what i am going to do with my life once i go out of this place in spite of all the tortures if i go out i have some purpose i have some dream he in his book is mentioning those who had a logo in the logo any company has a logo the logo speaks of the meaning that what's the goal what's the ideal of that company even in our life we should have a goal a logo those who had some sense of meaning purpose for their life it's not the one who was strength who was strong somewhere very physically well built and all they couldn't go through that torture even they lost all interest in life they were depressed they met death but and even those who came out a majority of them were totally mentally uh, what you say that they got mentally disposed they lost their wits because of that tremendous torture every day seeing death so they lost their wits only a few could maintain their wits and they came out as a productive person again they started the life and they proved themselves to be beneficial for the society who were those in his book he was point, that book that man's search for meaning is pointing out those who had some sense of purpose that that life uh, it it is not going to be like this through uh, this throughout most probably i will come out of this situation and once i come out what i'm going to do with my life those who had some answer for that some higher purpose very interesting thing he told that in that situation you know the natural tendency is because very meager food is given to you so they every day you will find some are getting very weak they are about to die they are not even in the situation to take the that meager amount of food which has been provided you cannot take himself he is just lying so most of the people had a tendency to snatch away that food that after all he is going to die let me somehow survive there are so many incidents that the father and the son both were just uh, about to die very sick and the father got the news that this, uh, someone came and told the son today morning has died the father immediately went to the where the son's body was lying and put his hand below the pillow in search of the bread that was probably that bread must be there that hunger was a tremendous thing 
that son has died. Now, after that, when he couldn't find the bread, he couldn't find the bread and he started crying. And no one knew whether it is the death of the son or the bread which made him cry. Such was the situation. In that situation, Victory Frankl is writing a wonderful thing. That there were a small group of people in that they themselves were going through all those torture, hardships. But they were in search. They found out a meaning even there. They were in search of others who are getting depressed, who are getting sick. They will go and try to just uh, raise their enthusiasm, raise some sense of hope in them by speaking some nice words, by showing them some dreams. And not only that, they even tried to share that meager food they had with the others. Very interesting. It's that small group. They were also going through that hunger as they had some purpose. It is they who survived. Wonderful. It is the they who they were also going through the hunger the same way the other. And in, in the, though the majority were thinking of snatching away others' food, this they were sharing. If that meager amount they were sharing, but it is they who came out somehow from that camp. They were alive and they became the productive member. They were not mad. They never lost their wits. So this shows that after all, your inspiration, your sense of purpose, that has to do with your real strength, not just the physical strength. So Baleshu Hastiwala Adini. There's just by contemplating on strength, if you have some thing to thrive on, then even irrespective of the fact that you're, you're going through hardship, you don't have, if the bare necessities for a sustenance, you will find you still are, you are thriving. So that's the thing which has been indicated in the 24th Sutra of this third chapter. 25th Sutra, it's a very interesting Sutra. It speaks of all scientific discoveries. If you go through the words, very interesting, each and every word that how the scientific discoveries happen. What's the science behind it? Let us read the sutra and then we will try to understand what it is being spoken of. Pravritti aloka nyasat, sukshma, vyavahita, vipakrishta, jnanam. Pravritti aloka nyasat, sukshma, vyavahita, vipakrishta, jnanam. So what it is pravritti aloka. Pravritti. Vritti means the thoughts. The thoughts, focused thoughts are the pravritti aloka. When you are trying to find out the truth behind something, the science behind something, you are focused. And I think my focus will bring out the knowledge. That's the wrong idea. What is this told? Pravritti aloka nyasa. Very interesting. I have to have focus. But that after that focus, the knowledge doesn't come from the focus. The, follow, the knowledge comes when after the focus, there is a nyasa. You relinquish that focus. Now you go to a relaxed state. Then what happens? All the subtle, the subtle knowledge, shukshma, that's like the, what are the subatomic particles, the structure of DNA. These are the shukshma jnana. Vyavahita. Vyavahita, what it means? That something which is hidden, Hidden beneath the earth, hidden beneath the ocean. And Vipakrishta means something which is remote. All the planets, the Mars, the moon, the galaxies. The knowledge of all those things becomes revealed. So again, let us try to understand what it is speaking. We have a, that notion that by focus, the knowledge is gained. Focus is needed. But all the real scientific knowledge comes from relaxation, not, a, not from focus. Very interesting. The mind has, the, the, in two ways, the mind processes the information. What, how it processes? When you are focused, you are accumulating, you are gathering in the information. But it can create a riot there. So many different types of informations you are gathering in. When you are focused, you are gathering in. When you are relaxed, all those informations which you are gathered in, they are all jumbling. They are all in a chaotic state. 
one trying to get riveted with the others. And sometimes very queer thoughts come, which has no value, but some of the riveting is the thing which makes, is perfect, is a permutation combination is a perfect, the idea which has to be joined with the other idea that happens accidentally. And then the discoveries happen. So all the discoveries happen in the relaxed mood when already accumulated informations with your focused mind gets the chance of what you say that processing. They're all processing. Uh, with an example, we'll try to understand that how, what the three states of our mind, even you will find wonderful scientific discoveries has happened in dream. The Watson and Crick, they were in search of the structure of the DNA. There's a, it is a historical fact. I'm just giving one example. All the scientific discoveries happen that way. It's not through the focus. It comes suddenly as an insight. It suddenly comes the ultimate and the deduction comes later. The truth first flashes, reveals, and then to prove that the deduction comes later. It's not that through deduction you go to the scientific truth. So for Watson and Crick, Crick uh, one day just was busy in the lab. He got tired and he just had a wonderful, uh, he went for his, as he was tired, he had a nap. And while he was in his sleep, he had a dream, but the dream was a peculiar dream. Two snakes are coiled with each other, intertwined. And he, when he woke up, he remembered the dream. He never thought why he got the dream. And some, somehow that idea came, it most, most probably had to have something with the structure of DNA. And that's how the double helix DNA was discovered. They had the idea in the dream. And from it's not only for the Watson and Crick. It, it, there are so many, if you just uh, try to find out the way the discoveries has happened, in always it is this accidental. What happens, you know, very interesting, how our mind works. When I'm awake, when I'm focused, uh, a forebrain is something where the, uh, what is, which decides something, decision-making, your conscience, what to do, what not to do. All these functions are related to your forebrain. And the hindbrain is actually the storehouse of all your memories. When I'm awake, all the storehouse of the memories, there is our forebrain is there to control over that. Some thought arises, I say, no, it's not proper. Then it is subdued. But when I am sleeping, the forebrain is now totally inactive, but the hindbrain is still active. And that's why all peculiar ideas you can have in the dream. Wow, what? When I was awake, I, I, have, I just read about gold. I had the idea of gold. I have the idea of mountain. Now, in dream, it may happen that you may see a golden mountain. The idea of gold and the mountain, those two riveted. But in, when you wake up, you know it's never truth. It, it can never happen. It was just a dream. But sometimes some idea reverts with the other. And from that, that wonderful discovery, that is a perfect. It's all the riveting. Are, most of the riveting are fantasies and useless. But some are wonderful. Sometimes you will find that most of the scientists are in their day-to-day -day life. Some, it's very difficult to deal with this person. They live in a very different world, appear to be somewhat cranky. Is because most of the time, they, they're, all their thoughts are in that fantasy world. They have this, most of the genius are, that's why to a certain extent, mad. Lot of fantasies going on. Of that, suddenly some really clicks. And that results in wonderful discovery. So, pravritti aloko nyasa. These two functions of the mind we should be aware of. In, now, I will just give a very uh, specific example. Even in Australia, you will find in high school, it is those who from Indian background, from Sri Lankan background, they are doing wonderful result. In the class 12 exam, it is they who are the topper. But where are they, especially in the field of research? You don't find them. They're gone. They may become the CEO of so big, uh, this all the Google, of Microsoft, but they cannot be the one who have started all those things. What it speaks of, 
it speaks of that that in in this background this asian tradition background what's the thing the mother is there the tiger mother always saying focus focus study study no laser no laser with that as long as you have to rot you do well till 12 standard you have done wonderfully but that reeling that relaxation from where that ideas gets revived with processing that faculty have not grown when education was something almost forced disciplinary thing so to certain extent we really do good that the those are from the indian background asian background but after that all the wonderful discoveries for that you will find from all the so called the west has a wonderful tradition because in that education that forced thing is not there by those who have a knack for it let them go for it even they have lot of relaxation the i yesterday i was the, the one who is the master of bits from which this all our computer and now in 1946 this the idea that zero and one with this two only i can take care of all the information this binary two bits zero and one uh, immediately forgetting the name of that scientist the one who discovered it in his day to day life we find sometimes he is busy with uh, uh, having different models of cycles which has nothing to do with his subject lots of toys in his laboratory you will find he is actually having fun with his knowledge more of in a relaxed mode sometimes it was very difficult to relate to him and this is a common thing you will find in the so called this western educational field that apart from that the fact that they are genius they have sufficient relaxation and without that you can never have this wonderful what you say this uh, revelation of knowledge the discover this inventions never happen all the inventions happen all this from this nyasa pravritti aloka nyasa when you are allowing the mind to process the already gathered information and then only this wonderful discoveries can happen and that's the thing this all the inventions and discoveries happen only by that relaxation which comes after the focus so now you will understand pravritti aloka the aloka means the light of your focus pravritti when the vrittis are moving out pravritti you just take the word there are two words nivritti pravritti nivritti when you are gathering you are trying to stop all the thought processes nivritti you are just diving within pravritti you are moving out that focus of uh, when you are just in search of the truth the aloka when you are throwing your light on some object to find out the truth with that the truth won't come nyasat pravritti aloka relinquish that go to that relaxation state go for a nice sleep and then after when you wake up you will find suddenly that knowledge has revealed so this is the thing by which all the subtle vyavahita shukshma is the subtle vyavahita is the hidden these are the three types of knowledge in science we speak of either it is belongs to the subatomic particle sukshma things there's or vyavahita something hidden under the ocean under the earth or something vipakrishta far away in the remote galaxy space so that's what we are doing so the sutra if you just go word by word you will find it doesn't speak of anything supernatural the very even the scientists are the thing which are following this by which the knowledge the so called the objective knowledge gets revealed pravritti alokanyasat shukshma vyavahita vipakrishta gyanam so this that way you will find how interesting the sutras are the 26 sutra next we go to this sutras are quite simple you will understand bhuvana gyanam surya sangyamat by doing sangyama by focusing on the sun you get the knowledge of the earth you will say how yes it is by relation of the sun with the our earth earth movement we have the knowledge of the various seasons all the season that we that even in australia we say that for this three months is autumn next three month is the winter next three month is the spring then the next three month is summer from where we are getting it is a movement of the our earth in respect to the sun the concept of our time 
that from morning to evening, that all the way we are just spending our time, when you are having daylight saving, everything, by the knowledge of the sun, with which you are carrying out your day-to-day activities, the time of the sunrise, the time of the sunset, length of the day, longest day, shortest day, solar eclipse, lunar eclipse, everything has to do with the knowledge of the sun. It is as simple as that. Subhuvana Jnanam, that in our day-to-day life, dealings of the life in this world has comes from the concentration on sun. So Surya Sangyamat. The 27th, Chandre Tara Vyuha Jnana. If you concentrate on the moon, you have the knowledge of the various galaxies, the cluster of stars. So it is even in the present uh, that uh, in the astronomy, what's the they, they do? That with respect to the moon, people have to say that that star, just first look at the moon because the moon is the biggest celestial body which we see at night. So it is easy with respect to the moon to find out the position of the other stars. So Chandre Tara Vyuhagyanam, to have the knowledge of the stars, the galaxies, you have to uh, focus on the moon. Chandre Tara Vyuhagyanam. And then the 28th Sutra speaks of Dhruva Tat Gati Jnana. Now all these galaxies are not fixed throughout the year in, in the sky in one position. With the moon, uh, you can just find out where it is, but its position constantly changes. But we all know in the sky, the Dhruva, the Dhruva star is that, that the North Pole star is the one which never changes its position. That becomes the point that becomes the your reference point with which you can have the idea of the motion of the other stars of the movement of the other stars so this is as simple as that dhruva tat gati jnana the cluster of stars to have an idea the position of it first you have to just take the moon as the reference and then the all the movement all this what is the, the movement of the stars of the galaxies for that you have to take the the Dhruva, the pole star, as the referral point. And Nabhi Chakre Kaya Vyuha Jnana. These sutras are wonderful. If you want to have the knowledge of your entire body, you have to concentrate on the navel circle, Nabhi Chakre. See, it's so interesting. In the modern uh, science, in modern uh, very interesting. Nowadays, we have find that in science, they say from the stem cells, you can develop all other organs. The science is not trying that in future, most probably there won't be need of heart transplant. I won't have to have a heart of other person. Those who had a brain dead, brain, those who have brain death, their heart is still palpitating. Though they are died, they have died, they cannot revive them. So for such person, the heart is taken out. It somehow can be, uh, it can continue to palpitate in some artificial condition, but within for some hours or maybe for a few days. And then someone who is waiting for heart transplant, you can transplant. But we cannot develop a heart in a laboratory, but science is going towards it. They say from the stem cells, we can develop the organ. What are the stem cells? Very interesting. When we were in mother's womb, our mouth was the navel through which the food was coming. Actually, that is the thing that was the single cell which started developing as the body. And that's when you have started, just as you took, when we took birth as a single cell, through the umbilical cord, the single cell was that navel point. From that, the entire body is now developing. It's just like the rain, if you want to find out what all trees are there in the rainforest, rainforest can be very, it can be a huge expanse and there can be varied trees. Now to find out how many types of trees are in the rainforest can be very challenging. But in science, there's a way, what there's a, that the rainforest must be having some center where all the, these the trees, which has now spread out throughout the forest, all that varieties must be concentrated there. 
means all the seeds has fallen and then it started spreading and then so variety of trees we have throughout the forest now it becomes difficult to find out how many trees are there but there is a center if you can go to the center from there you can find out the entire vegetation of the forest so umbilical cord the child stem cell is like that it is from there first we were all single cellular from there that all the cells started developing all the meiotic mitotic divisions happened and these cells got various where the divisions were happening the heart developed the various lungs developed all the organs developed from that single cell cell it started multiplying and all the divisions started happening and that's why in science the stem cells have are now gaining more and more importance and the cell cells are concentrated in the navel point it's there of course in the in your spinal cord but the main point the origin is the navel point so now you will find what interesting thing navi chakra kaya vyuha gyanam to have the uh, knowledge of the constitution of the body you have to concentrate so samyam on the there was wonderful science now here the sutra speaks that there was a wonderful science the, the entire elaborate science was probably at present we don't have but this sutra shows that they knew the principle behind it the navi chakra kaya vyuha the constitution of the body even you will find this famous painting of leonardo leonardo da vinci what to speak of this anatomical structure physiological structure even our external structure is very interesting where your navel point is as if the center there is a famous sketch of leonardo da vinci called this vitruvian man he is standing with the stretched arms and the legs also with apart and in that figure that man with the standing with the stretched arms and with the legs apart he has drawn a circle with the center at the navel is it as if the center by which the entire body is symmetrical if you spread out your hands and the legs and draw a circle then the the circle circumference will pass through your hands and the legs and the center will be at the what your navel so the constitution of the body for which the center is as if the navel point from where the entire body like the rainforest has evolved so navi chakra kaya vyuha gyana so these sutras were very interesting that there was some science behind it elaborate science with the sutras indicate we have forgotten that that we have uh, the entire elaborate science is no more present with us but the sutra says that there is a principle behind it kanthakupe kshut pipasa nivritti with this we will stop our discussion that if you are hungry and you want to get rid of the hunger the sense of hunger then you have to concentrate on the hollow of the throat that is on the trachea now it's very interesting so when i am hungry the alarming system of hunger works in the trachea you, st- you start feeling the hunger first there so if you give attention to the alarming mechanism which gives feedback to the psyche that you are not alarmed but aware when you are giving attention what's the feedback you are giving to your psyche that i am not alone i am aware and then the alarm system falls whenever you don't allow the alarm system to just raise the alarm before that you are aware of it then to a certain extent the alarm system fails so you have to be aware of the aware not be alarmed then that's the body in anything whenever uh, you are having a pain if you give attention you will find the pain reduces so don't be alarmed by it the pain also is like an alarming system try to have a what you say that uh, mindfulness that i am just observing the pain the pain reduces even uh, uh, previously we gave that example that swami turiyananda of ramakrishna order so ramakrishna's disciple he had lot of tumors on his back which had to be operated and he was deadly against anesthesia he told no uh, i won't go through anesthesia then they told how can we then operate on you he told just before operation let me know just tell me that you are going to operate me and then i will give you permission after some time you can operate and that's how the operations were done he has to be told he will sit 
And that's how that he will develop that total detachment from the body by being mindful of it. It's not that he himself is an, uh, not aware of the pain. He is watching. So he's not allowing the pain. Any pain is nothing but the body's alarm system. That something is harming your body to make you aware of that, the body raises the alarm. When you, before raising the alarm, if you're watching it, the alarm system falls off. And that's the idea here. Kantakupa, which is the center of the alarm system for your hunger, by being, by, by being aware of that, when you're focusing on that, then the hunger ceases. So that's the, by uh, having samyama, by concentrating on the hollow of the throat, on the trachea, comes the cessation of hunger. hunger. So with this, we stop our discussion. Uh, so then the next, so the few sutras, which continues with the discussion of all those uh, vibhutis, which has been discussed in this uh, chapter, we will go through it again in the next class. So with this, we conclude our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.